Welcome to Trilogy in Theory. My name is Webb, and this is my co-host, Mike. And we are wrapping up our, I guess I'm going to call it the Conflict Trilogy, because that's kind of what we're talking about here. How would you describe this trilogy? My pitch uh, would be movies versus movies. Because <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's very on the nose, and that's uh, that's what we went with. I approach these films as films of conflict. You know, it, it's a narrative element that uh, I, I feel like it almost has to be there. It's it's something that if it's not compelling, if there's no compelling conflict in a film, it's going to be hard for it to succeed on kind of any level. Uh, I mean, I'm sure there's a bunch of indie films or experimental films out there that prove me wrong. Uh, but for the most part, if you want a film to be a mainstream success, you've got to have some conflict. And it feels like all films... Well, all stories can ultimately be boiled down to uh, uh, the three main conflicts uh, that you kind of see is man versus man, man versus nature, and man versus himself. And to a lesser degree, I think uh, man versus society is also another one that's like introduced more recently. And I feel like these three films, Batman v Superman, Ford v Ferrari, and The People vs. Larry Flint, can all kind of go into those. Man versus himself for me is a Ford v Ferrari. Uh, because you've got Ken Miles, who is kind of fighting himself throughout the film, trying to be better, trying to conform, trying to show that he can be what uh, these individuals want him to be. Uh, man versus man, I guess Batman versus Superman. I know that Superman's technically not a man, but I'm going to put him in that category uh, because of that Martha scene. I love that line, you're never a god. You were never even a man. And it's like, no, he's going to prove to you that he was as much of a man as you. The way you said it, so homoerotic. Like, just you <laughs> <laughs> Like, fucking will commence as, as soon as with that delivery, there's about to be sex between Batman and Superman. <laughs> Well, he's got the giant rod of kryptonite there with him. Oh, God. <laughs> Man versus society. Moving right into Larry Flint, by the way. <laughs> Man versus society, I'd say. That's where we put uh, Larry Flint. Uh, do you, When you approach a movie, when you want to watch a movie, do you ever think about these conflicts, these specific stories? Which one would you think is the most compelling for you? I, you know, I'll, I'll go against you know film Twitter and say that... Uh... In this particular trilogy, Ford versus Ferrari is the most compelling to me because we're used to, especially in film, as we talked about in that episode, the uh, the the American embrace of the individual, like against the world, which certainly you get in the People versus Larry Flint. I mean, it's it's posters are you know a man uh, with the American flag stifling his freedom of expression. Uh, he has the American flag as a diaper at uh, some point but in Ford versus Ferrari as you said it's the our our character who is challenged by the world and in some ways goes out to best the world i mean he's attempting to run a perfect lap he's not you know he's attempting to excel to a point that no one else could ever do it better because how could you like that's that's run to perfection it does embrace in some way the idea of this being uh, a unifying thing, not a way to distance himself from others, but a way to be embraced uh, by his peers to some degree and ends up being like kind of a tragic thing as far as the sports movie aspect of, of the film, uh, you know, resulting in a tie that 
loses that individual appreciation that he should have had, like well in hand. I would say as I've gotten older, that's probably something I reacted to uh, much more warmly than if I'd watched that as an angry teenager where I've been like, oh, this is bullshit. This is, you know, this, he was the best. <laughs> he should be acknowledged as the best. Uh, and I like it that way. Cause I'm a young man who likes movies about men excelling at besting other men, which, you know, not to get back into the release, of the Snyder cup, but I think uh, Batman V Superman <laughs> fits right into that, that mold. I was probably most surprised, though, coming into that, because I thought that I would not enjoy People versus Larry Flint that much, because I thought his antics might annoy me. And, I mean, that's not to say someone who's battling for freedom of uh, expression uh, is automatically annoying to me, but I thought maybe the outbursts I would I would find to be like a young man's game as well. Not the pornography. Like, the pornography you never grow out of. In fact, you just no. <laughs> go deeper down a hole as far as trying to, to get that fix. <laughs> well, <laughs> the way pornography works is like a drug. Like, you build up a little bit of resistance to each level. And you're like, well, can I push this a little further? <laughs> You're also talking about, you know, <laughs> Zack Snyder's filmography as well as far as can we can we push this this one idea repeatedly bludgeon you in the head with it. Yeah, I think I like the the internal uh aspect of it of of you know what is, you know, when you you do excel to the, the extent that you can no longer be you know the angry rebel. And I mean, we've seen that with artists um I think, like, I remember, like, Eminem comes to mind. Like, this is still dating back 20 years ago, but he had, like, a very, he had a, yet another hit at that time where he was uh, complaining uh, about MTV not playing his videos. And I'm like, dude, they do. I was like, you won. Like, <laughs> you're, like, the most <laughs> popular artist right now this time. Like, stop bitching. Like, stop stop trying to play that outsider role. And to go to uh, something else dramatically different in the audio pop culture field, I remember... Uh, Mark Marin having an interview with uh, Barack Obama, uh, where Obama kind of called him out, saying like, "Hey, you can't play the like hipster outsider card anymore. You're interviewing the president of the United States." And I'm like, "I appreciate that, Obama, that you're saying like, no, 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 you don't get to be this thing anymore because you've excelled so far. So now you have to challenge yourself in a different way." So that's a very long answer to say that of our particular trilogy, I think that. Um, the arc for the uh, and the performance from Christian Bale is the most interesting as far as a man meeting all of his challenges head on, winning, and then kind of wondering internally what's next afterwards. That character is the most compelling, though I think I respect Larry Flynn's character just a tad more uh, because of the things that he's had to overcome and the fact that I'm right there with him in terms of the free speech argument. And I think that's super important. Um, And I guess it's unfair because you put in some of those real life uh, issues and, and something that's immediately applicable to you and, and, and me and, and our normal lives. So I would say those two and not necessarily the performance, I guess. I think, I think Bale still has a much more nuanced performance than Woody Harrelson because Woody Harrelson gets to really lean in to the flashiness and the insanity of the performance. And I hate to say it, but it's almost, well, it's almost, I I don't want to give difficulty. (laughs) I don't want to give either of these roles any kind of difficulty because to be an actor, to pull from 
uh, your history or, or wherever you create that character is it's all subjective but I feel like it's a little easier to be over the top than it is to be a little more nuanced. Eventually, Woody Harrelson gets into that territory as well as the film goes along, as he's not quite humbled, but <laughs> handicapped, I suppose. And then uh, uh, when he, he was finally... shot and paralyzed, yes. <laughs> right. that, that might do it. <laughs> there may be a lesson being learned on your behavior. <laughs> Certainly. And so... Woody Harrelson gets to channel a little more subtlety uh, in that performance because he can't be as raving, even though he manages to in some of those court scenes. And then you've got Batman v Superman, and there is not a shred of subtlety anywhere in any character uh, in this film. Uh, I, I, I will give Ben Affleck a lot of credit because he has the facial expressions that leap right out of, uh, you know, a comic book panel. Look at any shot where he's got his teeth showing underneath that uh, giant uh, armored Batman suit. And it's it's glorious. Every single shot is perfect. There you go. That's the stuff we need. I need to extract this clip, put it on social media, like listen to us praise Batfleck, there you go. Click on this, please, God, <laughs> subscribe. And <laughs> next episode, we'll try to nerd it out again for you. Uh, we'll try. Okay, so on that sort of note, uh, you know, we've we've started this conversation talking about the the men who see the world against them in some form or fashion. You know, whatever you know, they have different cases where uh, you know, in, in Snyder's version, it's an, an alien being that could you know end the world if he is not put in check. And um, certainly, Larry Flint um, not only is he attacked, but he's uh, separated from society as somehow being worse. Are, uh more perverse than his direct competitors doing similar things and in Ford v Ferrari you know it's the it's the Ford Motor Company itself it's not only the the competitors in the race uh and then team Ferrari there but it's also like you have to win but you have to win our way you can't win your way so the characters also have strangely in all three of our films allies who have to push back against this idea of making an individual choice that could affect uh, many other people. Now, we praised Edward Norton in our People versus Larry Flint episode, and I think you kind of called him out saying, like, he was really good here, and it was all downhill after that, which was kind of an interesting <laughs> interesting <laughs> point, because it's like, well, there was Fight Club, and American, he got nominated for American History X, but you're like, he showed us something here, and we never got it again, that little bastard. <laughs> like, <laughs> but we both really liked him and his dynamic, the way he's playing the, you know, the straight man here. How do you compare that to, I mean, you might say Henry Cavill, but I guess I would say uh, Alfred. Uh, Jeremy Irons' Alfred is uh, very briefly attempting to be the 
uh, voice of moderation on Batflex plans for <laughs> how do I make an alien bleed? Where he's like, you know, uh, maybe not. <laughs> maybe we don't start with how do we make how do we make our possible opponent bleed? Maybe we have you know a conversation here. And then obviously Matt Damon is a true co-lead as far as the one that's on the side of of Ken Miles' character, but is trying to get the best out of him in a somewhat rigged system uh, of their their shared employer. So which I guess which of these straight men, not straight men with our our slash fiction version of Batman v Superman that we're talking about, where it's <laughs> all gay sex all the time, uh, but you know the, the the boring parts, I guess, to the you know the, the rebels that we're we're seeing on screen. I would have to just put Jeremy Irons on the bottom, and I don't know if this is his fault. I think it's just the material. You keep going with the the, the sexual imagery. <laughs> <laughs> Alfred is a true bottom. <laughs> That's my take. <laughs> What he has to work with is so. <laughs> it feels like it's written by somebody who just uh, came off of a, a Two and a Half Men, you know, an episode of that. Mm. Oh, there's a lot of him answering his own questions or uh, uh, using witty retorts to his own comments. So there's that line where uh, <laughs> there's several of them actually. There's a couple times he he mentions the alcoholism, and he's like, maybe we'll leave something you know else to the. Uh, the future wanes, you know, because he's always drinking, I guess. And then he responds like, "Well, not bloody likely." But like, who's he talking to, man? Like, there's no audience there. <laughs> I love, I love your take on the Snyderverse Alfred as being the ultimate ball hog in a conversation where he's <laughs> passing to himself. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'll shoot every time. <laughs> Just let me dribble around you. Uh, I did not pick up on that necessarily. Mainly, I guess, because I was so. I guess, in his pocket in a way that I'm like, yes, world's greatest detective, please just ask a few questions. Like, that's all. Like, I felt like Alfred uh, was talking for the audience at times, or maybe just talking for the old men. Uh, and I certainly was the you know, uh, outside of the maybe Snyderverse demographic slightly when this came out. Where, <laughs> And, you know, I felt like Batman was... Uh, the release, the Snyderverse fans, where it's like, why don't you shut up and let us have our fun? Just shut up. This is not for you, Mike. <laughs> this is not for you, Alfred. <laughs> and you know, eventually, like Alfred, we're just like, all right, all right. What well, I give in? Yeah, go, 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 make him bleed, Batman. Sure, you know, just talk junk, talk shit. <laughs> the next straight man that I want to talk about is Matt Damon, because while you're right, I guess compared to Ken Miles, maybe you could say that he has to play the straight man, but I think he is as big a character in the film as, as Ken Miles is, and so it's it's almost unfair to call him a straight man. And he's so entertaining throughout the film and and goes to bat for him every single time and kind of lets Ken Miles make the decisions that he can make. Whereas you've got Ed Norton who legitimately has to play the straight man because Larry Flint is just so far out there. And I think he does the best job of keeping his client grounded and ultimately gets the biggest win for him and really goes to bat. The final scene in People vs. Larry Flint in the courtroom, I, I keep thinking about it. It was a little while ago since we watched it and discussed it, and it has really resonated uh, with me in a big way. And it's the only film where the straight man really kind of comes in front of the screen 
and has the biggest job. He has the biggest job to do uh, and in the climax of the film. And so I would have to give the award here to uh, Ed Norton. Really tremendous work by him. And it, it's, it's really um, resonating with me as I think about this movie more and more. I think I'm going to go with Matt Damon, mainly because... <laughs> Uh, he had a, a line that I really liked in a, a, a move that I wanted to emulate where, uh, you know, he gave me everything I wanted uh, True Bottom, I guess, Alfred to do to Batfleck, which is uh, he introduces this fighting style or tactic called the Llama Bite. And they're like really like a dad movie tussle that they do when they, they come to an argument. And it's, you know, it's one of those fights where there's like really no... There's no way either man comes across with any uh, sort of dignity during it. It's like in a movie that's so hyper-masculine, like men yeah. driving fast cars, building fast cars, like you know, doing this international race and winning it for America, winning it for Ford, uh, that they're fighting you know, while one of them has come back from a, a, a task of acquiring groceries. And Matt Damon's big move is I call that one the llama bite. And I'm like, you know, there's just... I guess, you know, it is meant for an older audience where there's a little bit more awareness of hyper-masculinity uh, can often look extremely silly to an outside observer. And I like that sequence where the wife, she shows no fear that either one of them is going to do that much damage to the other, uh, other than, you know, I guess I have to go get groceries again. <laughs> and I basically have to get these two big babies a pacifier. I have to get them, like, you know, they're their popsicle or whatever, and then maybe they'll get back to being uh, adult men. But eventually they're going to fall back into childhood. And so it's a much smaller scale version of us watching Batman v Superman, where it's a build-up <laughs> to the fucking llama bite. Like, you know, uh, Batman's little traps. that He can't wait. He cannot wait to show off his traps, Superman. Like, it would be reasonable in that sequence for Superman's like, all right, we need to have conversations. Like, And Batman's like, come on, man, I... I set up all this stuff, like at least walk towards me so I can set off a few of them before we have the conversation. And, uh, of course it doesn't go that direction. It goes to very much like, you know, high melodrama, uh, as far as when they finally do have the talk. And so that, I think that's a little bit of what I'm looking for. And, the, and to be honest, there's some of that in people versus Larry Flint too, where you're right. You do have the Edward Norton character just saying like, all right, man, like, yeah, this is, you are the most fun client I have. He's like, but, what you're going through actually kind of means something too. And it's like, it's really painful for him. It's like, if we were just doing this for shits and giggles, just to troll uh, Jerry Falwell, that's fine. He's like, but what you're doing could actually matter. And I think that's what he finds so painful is that it's all fun and games until somehow this pornographer has led them to something that could really have currency in our, our culture for decades going forward. Um, man, you know, the more I talk, I'm just like, my God, we have, Zack Snyder's Batman versus Superman in this. It's like, anytime I come back to that, I'm like, well, that was silly. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? It should be silly. Like, I think that uh, at times when I lose interest in Snyder's particular take on superheroes is maybe when he gets a little bit too maudlin and silly and instead of fun and silly. You know, I, I, think, I think you can uh, accept the fact that Superman is wearing underpants you know that's that's basically what he's and it's he's he's playing he's playing at being an adult through the eyes of what children think uh, adults do to solve their problems which is with their superpowers and they fight and uh it, it's just a uh, it's just a different style that i guess will now permanently live on hbo max 
where it belongs alongside the Sopranos and the Wire. <laughs> right. <laughs> if you want to piss off Snyder and his fan base, call his shit silly. <laughs> <laughs> things that i thought about as you were talking about the fight scene between miles and shelby is how ubiquitous a superhero genre uh, is now and how many actors have donned capes and cowls because in that scene in that fight scene in ford v ferrari you've got a man who used to play batman versus batman's real life best friend going at it (laughs) it's just so silly to me (laughs) there's that word again and is he, what is he, you know, I'm going to put you on the nerd uh, spot here. But So Matt Damon, the closest he's come as far as officially superhero verse. Who was he again in Thor Ragnarok? Wasn't he like one of the actors? That's right. Doing like the story. Of, and that's the, as close as we'll get. I do remember during uh, some of the uh, the press tour for Ford versus Ferrari that uh, Matt Damon was saying that uh, while the fight sequence uh, it would be misleading to label it Batman versus Born because of how, uh, you know, <laughs> <laughs> uh, how uh, anticlimactic I guess that sequence can be. Uh, he did throw that out there. I don't think he he referenced Thor Ragnarok though. I don't know if Matt Damon remembers what character was he playing Loki or was he playing Thor in that little play version, or was he just an audience member? No, no, no. God, he now played we're one of the, the two leads. He played one of the Are we going to have the, the Taika Watiti uh, verse fans come after us now for not <laughs> doing this scene down? But I'll give you a lot of props. When I thought uh, Matt Damon and superheroes, I didn't even think about Ragnarok. The closest thing I could think of was, well, he has a small bit part in Chasing Amy, and that has superheroes kind of in it, <laughs> but tangentially. There we go. Yeah. Yeah, I think we're good with the Watiti fans. Our first trilogy included Jojo Rabbit, so that's good enough, right? Yeah. One of the things I also thought about as I was putting my notes together, and especially uh, while we're discussing these three films just now, is the lack of female influence in all three of these films, despite the fact that, you know, you've got Martha Kent and Lois Lane kind of driving the Superman character. Uh, You have... I suppose Ken Miles' wife kind of there in the background, uh, driving him a little bit as he drives a car. <laughs> and then you've got... <laughs> I'm sorry, I don't know what I was trying there. <laughs> <laughs> to make sure to to, to have a, a musical cue there, because that'll be the people saying, like, hey, and that's enough of that. <laughs> so, <laughs> Well, go, go go to Apple Podcasts. They have a feature where you can see the average listen time to an episode. And I'll be like, there it is, Webb. That's where we lost them. <laughs> I'm a sucker for play on words no matter how, like, no matter how terrible it is. And then you've got Larry Flint who makes a living. I don't want to say exploiting females and the female body, but to some extent that's what he's doing. Did that come into... 
uh, your process as you were thinking about any of these films, the the lack of influence there yeah. by the better sex. Yeah, and I have to say that I liked it quite a bit uh, in the sense that I felt like it made it easier for us to embrace this particular, I think, male perspective in, in films where there's like this need for the, the male characters to not only be good but great and oftentimes uh, exert total dominance of other other men <laughs> in their <laughs> fields to be worthy of having a movie uh, about them. In that regard, I, I may prefer uh as far as i balance the the fact that courtney love playing uh larry flint's uh partner probably exerts more influence uh in batman versus superman certainly the idea of the the, the shared you know mothers uh one that is deceased and one that is uh you know in danger of of becoming so uh by you know lex Luthor's really convoluted plot he's got to to bring about the end of the world which serves no practical function for a very rich, successful man <laughs> on planet Earth. <laughs> None at all. <laughs> I I would say that uh you know the the dynamic, the relationship between the two of them, it's interesting because, you know, Courtney Love is playing a very tragic character who is oftentimes not pushing him to be anything more than a very successful pornographer, which I think is a different version of the the homestead where, um, you know, and there's a little bit of it in Ford versus Ferrari where uh, the element of danger is introduced. Like, you know, w- what you're doing, what you're pursuing eventually means you're going to leave the family because you could die doing this. Whereas in People versus Larry Flint, it's like, no, you're good at making this porn rag and that's what you're going to keep doing. Like, <laughs> like, so in that regard, I think I found that one watching the three of them. I liked the... You know, the, the female presence there. Yeah, I'll do it. I'll go on the record. The one about uh, pornography and exposing women is uh, the most fair and balanced to <laughs> <laughs> the fair sex. <laughs> Just make sure the legs are spread as wide as possible. <laughs> <laughs> the last thing that I want to ask you, and, and it's, a, it's a horribly blunt question, and I, I feel like we're failures in this. While each of these films has their positive and negatives... I don't see a common thematic thread. Uh, you know, there's that hyper-masculinity going between each film, but I don't know if that's enough for me to call this a successful trilogy here on Trilogy in Theory. Do you find... Now, these... God damn it, Webb. They've got <laughs> verses in the title. Every single one of them. It's right there. <laughs> you don't even have to watch the movies. You just see they're a trilogy, obviously. <laughs> Only one has verses. The other two are V. Can't even get that going. And you know what? They're the lesser for it. What is this V bullshit? Especially on a comic book movie. Jesus. Yeah, they were running out of uh, letters there for the Dawn of Justice subtitle on this. Jesus, yeah. Long. I, uh, no, I actually, I, I do because of that. It's the, the ego, uh, right, of, of all the characters. And uh, certainly there's going to be a lot of movies where you could apply that, where these men feel like in some way that the world is out to get them that has, has held them back <laughs> but in the same way they feel like they're the only one that can show the world you know they're they're the only one that can solve the problems and usually the problems are only self-serving problems now like we said edward norton's character in people versus Larry flint has to finally convince him that hey this could actually help others like your bullshit could 
but that's not where initially where these characters start out. And I think that is a uh, sort of a unique uh, trait to, to, to men on screen specifically. Um, and I think it's kind of interesting that, you know, if you knew this person in real life, you may applaud them for, for what they accomplished after they accomplished it. But man, would these be abrasive assholes to hang around with? And in movies, it's like the more abrasive they are, if if they're men. Now, if they're women, you know, it, 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 fair or not, it's like they have to introduce something to give them reason to be unlikable, some sort of tragedy. Whereas in People vs. Larry Flint, he can just like tits and ass. And he can just like it even more than, than other people in that business. <laughs> and suddenly he becomes this world-shaping figure uh, that's draping himself in the American flag. That's why I thought, to me, it kind of struck... Like, I actually enjoyed watching the three of them together, as as strange as they are from a genre uh, movies. One's like a sports movie, one's a comic book movie, and one is... I don't know. I don't know what you would call uh, Milos Forman's uh, particular movie. You know, the the great porn biopic of all time. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, Boogie Nights is probably still better, even though it's just very loosely based on John Holmes. You know, I'm still going to give it the prize. Uh, but I'm sorry, Webb. I'm sorry that this was just. It, it was so masculine for you that you just could do nothing but resolve yourself <laughs> to giving gay sex imagery in your commentary. <laughs> you clearly wanted to take this into a different, and you know what? Uh, in fairness to you, a far more interesting direction. If you'd just been honest with me up front, that you're like, hey, <laughs> this is the subtext for this month. I'm like, all right, let's go for it. <laughs>